0: Welcome to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have a special, special, special guest um, joining me today. Photographer, documentarian of DC culture, author of DC Go-Go, 10 Years Backstage. Please welcome Chip Pie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm great. It's really great to be here. Uh, just like we were we were talking you were spinning a yarn so big points to you as we were you know starting off this conversation um for since you know inherently backstage has been a part of you know a big chunk of your your career your your, your life so for those listeners who don't know don't know you don't know who you are could you introduce yourself and really what brought you to the world of live music and specifically go go
1: okay uh yeah my name's Chip Pie I'm a photographer uh, my the way in which I got into photography uh, around the time I was 14 years old uh, my father got a camera because he uh, was a newspaper reporter and and starting around that time I would go with him on his assignments and uh, and take pictures for him and eventually we ended up with a little dark room in the basement and uh, and, and so uh, I would go to play. And when we, when we moved down to the Outer Banks in North Carolina, where I lived in high school and in college, you know, he was a, a small town newspaper reporter and we would chase fire trucks and, and, and shoot, and shoot events like that. Uh, uh, when I was in junior high school here in Bethesda, I, I booked bands into my junior high school auditorium and became a huge live music fan. Um, and have been ever since. Uh, when I went to college at East Carolina University, I kind of combined the two and photographed bands, a lot of the 80s Majisti bands that were coming through. Uh, uh, Eastern North Carolina at the time, I photographed those. Um, when I moved up here uh, to begin my grown-up life, uh, <laughs> I still shot local bands here. I shot pretty much a lot of scenes that are in D.C. And D.C. is a music town. Punk rock started here, okay? Bluegrass had its huge, the the, the top three bluegrass bands come, are, are located here in Washington, D.C., the Seldom Scene, The Country Gentleman. Um, uh, and, uh, and and same with rockabilly. Link Ray is a DC guy. Uh, uh, there's there's tons and tons of well, you know, go into jazz and start talking about the great jazz musicians who are from DC. So so I was shooting all of them, and and and, and at one point I had to uh, say to myself, "Why are you doing this, and what do you want?" And you know, it was my life's work at the time. Mm. And I I wanted to have a complete view of what DC was at the time in which I was, DC music, live music was. And somebody had told me one time that DC was uh, the second live music town because of Go-Go. I'm sorry, DC was the second live music town to New Orleans because of DC Go-Go. And I was like, Go-Go? (laughs) <laughs> you know, i knew chuck brown so so i knew that in order to make my my uh work complete i was gonna have to start shooting uh and i got uh, go go and i thought all i needed was a picture of chuck brown and uh and he i thought i'd be in and out and get that done in the next month and i ended up walking into a scene that was while well, chuck brown was important and i actually became his photographer shortly after that uh gogo is much more vibrant there's it's much more than that than just chuck brown's band there are hundreds if not thousands of bands who have played gogo in the last 50 years and so what i thought was going to be four weeks turned into 10 years
0: wow thank you thank you for giving us giving us that, that kind of overview and that background there and um i i'm checking through of different questions i was like all right you know chip has touched on that well, let me remove let me remove that um, um, yeah <laughs> so, let's
1: get this format out the window so <laughs>
0: so so tell me about um so this is a question that i have and 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 i think our our quirks, our strangeness, if you will, is what makes us really good at what we do. Like, I, I'm inquisitive by nature. I like asking people questions and learning new things. So that's, I guess, what makes me a good interviewer, quote unquote. Yeah, I, don't don't. I don't know if I'm a good interviewer, I'm a bad interviewer, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> do, do you embrace your strangeness, those qualities that make you unique to, you know, being a photographer, being a documentarian? And what would you say those, those traits about yourself are?
1: Well... One of the things, I, I dedicated this book to my father, who's no longer with us. And one of the things that he always taught me to do was, was the thing I got. I didn't get anything financially from the man. <laughs> but, uh, but, but he taught me how to explore. Yeah. And I'm always exploring, you know, you know my neighbor last night asked me how i knew he found a bird that he thought was ill and i was like no that's a bird that just got kicked out of his net it's, it's fledgling and he looked at me and said how do you know anything about birds and i'm like well because i've watched them i always explored things okay uh uh I, I fish on the upper potomac uh for for smallmouth bass but rolling, floating down that, 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 that river on my boat, I'm going to tell you all about all of the civil war history and all the history that went on on that river, because I have explored it. Uh, I'm always looking uh, 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 for things to explore and, uh, and it changes throughout my lifetime. And so, so, you know, uh, we moved every year of my life because my father was a reporter who couldn't keep a job. And so, um, so, so one of the things I got, the quirkiness of my behavior is that I am comfortable being where I am with new people all the time because that was just my life growing up. So, so, so when I d- decided to become one of a very few pe- white people in GoGo, mm-hmm. you know, I did not have fear of that, you know, even though people actually told me not to go do this, you know, and uh, and, and, and I feel comfortable in any room and I felt comfortable in gogo doing what i was doing and uh and i made friends there uh and 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 i didn't i wasn't afraid of any room that i would walk in (laughs) so 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 so, yeah i'm very comfortable around i'm not gonna i hate the word strangers but i'm very comfortable around people i don't know and i get to know them and so um so that was very keen that was very helpful in what i was doing
0: yeah, I mean in I think, you know, that naturally translates to, to being a documentarian, like you know, remembering things like you were you were saying, like you'd be on your boat and it's like, I know what happened here and all here, I know the history of this and I'm generally, not, and, and I'm not gassing you up here, generally I'm very uh, in awe of people who just have that, like, yeah, I know what happened here, I remember this, like, you know the history of this place, it's like, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> you well, know, <laughs> you,
1: you know, I drank myself out of a history degree at East Carolina University uh, and uh, and spent uh, 30 30- Plus year career in in, in advertising, uh, but uh, I'm really glad right now that 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 I'm doing the work of a of a historian. Uh, one thing to note is not only did I publish this book earlier this year, but the DC Public Library acquired my entire catalog yeah. of, of of work that I did in GoGo for to, in order to uh, 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 in order in order to have. Uh, the history of gogo preserved and and while I wasn't in gogo in the 70s and in the 80s uh, there isn't another catalog like that and so 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 the importance of my work was, uh, 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 verified uh, yeah. by the DC Public Library, and then with that, I was able to to go get this book done. And in April, my work was featured in Rolling Stone. I was the featured photographer during the month of April with my work in Gogo, and so uh, so I have achieved what I always what I what 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 I always. Uh, uh, drank away uh the opportunities as, as a historian. So um uh, so so I'm kind of I'm very much proud of that and I'm very much enjoying my life right now.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm love hearing that. So I mean, without much further ado, let's let's talk about um the process of, of bringing the book together and um and ultimately you you said it was uh, in part dedicated to your dad and mm-hmm. um it, it documenting the history around Gogo from like you know, your, your period and being like, so sort of the nineties, I suppose, through like what the 20, the two thousands, like late two thousands. Um, so what did you feel like you wanted to accomplish? Tell me about the process and would you really want to accomplish ultimately with the, with the work? Oh, with the book? Yes.
1: Um, uh, Well, being, I'm a photographer. Okay. Uh, first and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, when I was working with the library to uh, to to get all of my photos ready, they they all had to be captioned, tagged, and curated through, you know, thousands of clicks of my shutter over a ten-year period, um, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, as I turned them over to the li- to the library. Uh, that we started talking about how the story would presented to go along with it. And I mentioned uh, uh, the history press and approaching them and the library said, uh, uh, yeah, please do that. And, uh, and so I, I approached them and, the, and they said yes the day after they had been looking for somebody to do a book about, a local history book about DC Gogo, which is what the history press and, they, and Arcadia uh, books do, is that is they, they're able to really... Go to a to a small area and do individual books on local history. Um, so, so then the, the question be could was could I write a book, and 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 I they uh, I got a uh, an editor uh, named Kate who helped me out immensely. But it was also interesting as far as the process goes when she works with a new author most of the work had been done mm-hmm. uh in other prior projects i had just spent seven months with every single Photo that I took in GoGo, writing captions for it, um, and and prior to that, because because once I once my idea was accepted and she wrote me a contract, she said you can get back to me, and the next step is get back to me in ninety days with your outline, and. And uh, starting in 2014, I was doing presentations at live PowerPoint presentations with 50 of my photos. And in that process, I had to create a story to tell with the pictures I had. And I was like, hey, Kate, that outline is already done, it's right here. So, so I. I turned this book out in a year, whereas many of my uh, fellow authors at the History Press take five to six years. Wow! Uh, so, um, so, 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 and you know, a lot of it was pictures, mm-hmm. and and so, so we were able to turn this around quickly. It was very difficult for me to figure out how I write, mm-hmm. and so that was a big challenge. Once I accepted the fact that I pace around the house in my pajamas. <laughs> All right, write a little. Walk through the living room. Grab something out of the fridge. Take a stroll around the yard. Then come back and write another paragraph. I was fighting that. Once I accepted that, the stuff, the story sort of flowed.
0: Yeah, um, I, I like that. You know, PowerPoint it came back for the win for you. It's like I already have this, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it, it almost serves as is having that that skeleton or what have you. Um, and being able to fill it in like that seems like like two like two parts of it where you're doing the the fill-in portion of having those captions for the photos and then you're doing that fill-in portion of having the structure the wireframe and within that powerpoint and it's like all right
1: here's the actual writing part i also had the story in my head because when i was doing this all of my all of my friends who look like me okay didn't understand what i was doing and so i was explaining them Mm -hmm what go-go was and, 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 and how the whole culture exists around it, that people in DC, it hides in plain sight to people from DC, but all of our graffiti culture comes out of people, uh, 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 a handful of people who wanted their names shouted out at go-go's. So they started <laughs> tagging the city, you know, and everybody remembered, white people remember the tags of cool disco, Dan, but they didn't know that they were tied to this music. I didn't know that you know? Um, so, so I learned that. So I had been telling the story, uh, in the best way for me, which is running my mouth, uh, (laughs) and and then showing folks pictures. So,
0: so tell me about, um, like, so folks typically think when you hear go-go, at least like, like now have you, when I think of go-go music, I think of the music, I think of the auditory part of it from that point of view. Could you describe go-go from your vantage point as a photographer? Like, what are the looks, what are the visual components of uh, of going to see like that music performed, the culture around it and all of that?
1: Uh, that's a big point in my book because, uh, because go-go, had I not been a deadhead, had my experience with jam bands, uh, uh, I really wouldn't have understood what was going on because Gogo is not by any means a three-minute song <laughs> that you hear on the radio. Gogo is a live music event, and uh, and and since it's been kicked around by every municipality in the DMV uh it doesn't play in uh in in buildings that were in venues that were built for for live music it's played in spots that are often catering halls or or restaurants and 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 the the bands there's not often a a stage set up for them to play on there's certainly no lighting Um, and uh and, and, and the audience and the and the band are eye to eye together, with the only things separating them is is three or four monitors in the front, and there's a call and response. There's the lead talker in the band. Yeah. Uh, his job is to keep the the audience generated and it, it, keep the audience involved. And uh, and he directs the band through that. If 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 a bunch of people are 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 not up front, they start to go back to the tables. Uh, he puts the band into the significant pocket, which is which is which is which is unique to go go. And puts gets everybody back in the dancing groove. Calls out uh, people who are in attendance and celebrating uh, uh, to keep everybody on their feet. It's called go go because the music never stops. Ah. And 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 Chuck and as well as all of the musicians in the early seventies, early to mid seventies were losing gigs to discotheques where the music never stopped. And one of the one of the DJs from that time uh, was a guy by the name of Jazz Funk, okay, whose mother happened to be uh, uh, and, and he was known for his his vocalizing over the songs to keep the audience pumped and 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 meanwhile his his mother was uh, managing a band of young teenagers at the time called Young Dynamos which turned out to become rare essence, oh. and, and 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 jazz funk is on the mic, and he created the role of lead talker, and people pass notes back and forth to have your name shouted out at go go, uh, and this is what I call authentic go go, hmm. and seeing a go go band on stage at the Kennedy Center or listening to it on the radio or something like that isn't really. The, the the energy that exists there and uh greg boyer who's played with parliament funkadelic and uh and, and was in prince's band has traveled the entire world but he always makes it home to play uh, a few to play many uh chuck brown gigs uh here still does to this day yeah. uh he wrote the um the uh, forward to my book, and he talks about traveling all over the world, but the unique thing to DC is that the audience, whatever energy you throw at the audience in DC, it throws it back. And he even talks about the fact that, that there's an, an additional band member and that is the audience and that that's the groove. And he doesn't feel that anywhere else, but here in DC.
0: That's, that's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds very participatory. I, I love that. It's, you know, I think with, you know, with the pandemic and all, right, we see like live performance in any, in any facet, whether it's music, whether it's sports, whatever. And there were some instances where they didn't have an audience. So, you know, if you watch a baseball game, you don't hear somebody booing or that was a bad call. You don't hear any of that. So something that's lost. So mm-hmm. hearing it, that's very integral. The 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 uh, people attending, going to the show are part of that. Mm-hmm. That That's the thing that I think is very important. It's very important to make that distinction. So thank you for putting it, that out there. Seeing
1: a seeing a go go band without a live audience, you know, which I happened to see sometimes when 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 the promoters hadn't promoted the show well uh uh, was pretty much a a dull experience it was almost pretty much a rehearsal you know Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) that energy wasn't there and that energy is what's important and it'll be interesting to see as as gogo is now getting the recognition and it deserves. Yeah. Uh, uh, and people are starting to look at playing in it. well now it's starting to play in other venues, uh has for the last couple years, uh, uh, where 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 they are live music venues and the audience is away from from the um is away, isn't as close to the band, you know. And so 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 that will will how will GoGo maintain its authenticity? of the, of the fan band relationship uh, in that as it moves up into a different scale.
0: Yeah. And authenticity is, is huge when you're connecting not only a a form of media, a form of uh, content, a, a form of expression, but also it being coupled with culture. And, Mm -hmm. Go-Go is inextricably connected to the culture of DC. It's DC's music. What are, in your opinion, what are some of the things that define the culture and more pointedly, what defines the culture of DC's music? Like what are some of those traits that you say that is what makes DC music?
1: Well, well, it would be, you know, A, the, the, the pocket beat that Chuck Brown picked up from the kids playing uh, 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 instruments that they fashioned out of junk over in Anacostia in the, in the old freedman's Colony of Berry Farms uh, and, and, and carried it over the bridge and played on the corners to, uh, uh, for, for pocket change. And they developed their own beat and, uh, and and I've heard professors talk about how they how how kids have to grow up learning the go go playing the go go beat to be go go drummers. They're unable to get that beat and swing uh, to professionally trained drummers. Uh, so 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 uh, and, the, and 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 these, these these kids who grew up playing gogo is also played in the african-american church in dc and so 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 a lot of times these kids their first movement from from playing junk from the dump to um and and, and shout out here there's the junkyard band was one of the earliest bands to do this and they are still playing today yeah. um uh uh but uh but the first oftentimes the first time a, a go-go drummer sat in front of a a, a real go-go kit okay i'm sorry a real drum kit was when he started playing in church yeah. and, and 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 many of the drummers uh well all of the drummers have church gigs too and and for a while dj rico and um uh, and, and DJ Big John, Dat Bama be Crankin, <laughs> held a breakfast at this restaurant over in, in lower Prince George's County uh, from four o'clock in the morning till till eight in the morning or seven in the morning because the drummers would go there, get get breakfast. They'd sober up, yeah. and then they would also be, and they wouldn't go home, fall asleep, and miss their church gigs, yeah. and, uh, and and that was a cultural thing, uh, cultural aspect. You know, when 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 you go to a, when when someone hits a, a home run at the at Nat's Park, uh, they play and Loose" by Chuck Brown. Nice. Uh, like I, like I said, all of the graffiti uh, was there. <laughs> go go has fashion has its own fashion involved in it and and you can you can look at folks when folks from DC go up to New York City yeah. okay people in New York City are like those guys are from DC uh there's lines of clothing that has came drop socks and uh and New Balance sneakers uh are all part of DC culture yeah. uh it goes deeper than that there's been plays now there's been two plays that have that 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 are uh, uh, are musicals uh that were created uh the, the the giz which was uh which was the wizard of oz uh that was that that was a production that was played so, played sold out at mgm theater and and at georgetown university uh they did a wind me up maria which was a um uh, uh the musical uh, 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 uh the sound of music yeah. okay where where, where, where maria is, is is a young black student at, at dc who goes to work uh for a very uh, for a, a, taking care of the kids and she introduces the kids to go-go music and and the kids end up having all kinds of problems and subplots and down comes chuck brown uh and and, 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 and talks to all of the kids and his and his sons were consulted so that the actor had all the mannerisms down right but yes it's steeped in go-go culture. I'm it. sorry, go-go culture is steeped in DC, and people who know it know it. Yeah. And people who don't know it, it hides in plain sight from them.
0: And, and that's, and that's one of the things that this this podcast is about is really about, um, you know, highlighting culture, but also sharing culture and through through these, these conversations or what have you. So um, I, I really appreciate you, you shared a lot of that. That's, that's great. Um, so I have one last real question, and then I got some rapid fire questions for okay. you. So, you know you can't get away from the rapid fire questions. Everybody gets rapid fire questions. Okay,
1: okay, I'm I'm, I'm holding on to the table here. Okay.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say it's like the chili on a half smoke. or half, I don't know. All right. <laughs> trying to make a DC reference. I don't know. Um, so. So so ultimately, could you could you run running back and remind me how how did working with the Godfather go go the legendary Chuck Brown come about and is there an experience um, working as his photographer that like really sticks out for you like uh, do you definitely. have a Chuck story yeah definitely uh, um, when, when I when I
1: shoot pictures I often talk about being a, a eleven feet away mm-hmm. and that's I'm not talking about a measurement I'm talking about a mentality. Of not interfering with the subject and that comes that comes from the, the saying of you know a 10 foot pole. And, uh, and I like to say, when people say something to me, it's controversial. I say, well, I have to get out my 11 foot pole for that because I'm not <laughs> gonna touch it with my 10. Uh, but 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 if you were to talk to me about working with subjects and capturing them nationally, I talk about pretending you're invisible and, 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 and staying at 11 feet of figurative distance. So you're not in their face. They're not looking at you, they're not posing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most, of, after I had been shooting Chuck for about a year, uh, 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 doing that, uh, Chuck had a, had had a show where in Hampton, Virginia, at Hampton Coliseum, where he was opening up for Parliament Funkadelic, and I got on the bus for that tour, and the band, uh, uh, was in the back watching a movie or sleeping in the sleeper uh, carts, and I sat up front and talked to Chuck on the three-hour uh, trip down there, and we shared some stories, uh, and uh, which are all in the preface of my book. Um, but uh, but but when the when the bus pulled into Hampton Coliseum and we started offloading, Chuck said to me, "I'd like you to walk with me to the stage tonight." And I was like, OK, so when it came time for the band to walk to the stage, uh, I found Chuck and we walked to the stage. And on the way there, he was very comfortable. I'm sorry. He was very complimentary of my images mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and and was very pleased about it. And then as we walked to the steps, I walked up those steps and, you know, uh, his drummer Quickfoot was hitting the cymbals, and the audience was screaming, wind me up, Chuck, wind me up, Chuck. We got to the top of the steps, and he stopped and took two steps back towards me, and he said, he said, hey, Kodak, which meant he forgot my name, he said, you know, do you know why you are, why you are with me tonight, and why you've been with me for the, for the last year, and I said, no, Pops, I I don't know, and he said, it's a very important to me. It's important to my family. And most of all, it's important to my legacy. He said, The work you do is important to my legacy. And that was that was eleven years ago, and the work that I've been able to do the last two and a half years, uh, I feel is is passing on Chuck's legacy, and also passing on the fact that yes, he was part. He was he created Gogo, but you know, Gogo grew from that. Chuck was often quoted as saying, "I wanted to create a sound for my band, and I created a sound for the city."
0: That's, that's great. That's that's great um great that you had that uh that story thank you for sharing that um so that's the end of kind of the real questions and um i got some rapid fire questions and then we'll get to shameless plugs and we'll wrap from there okay so um rapid fire pretty much you want to just go top of the head you don't want to overthink it um so they're all over the place just so you know um first one what's your favorite book Uh, Oh, 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 easily. Uh, We were just discussing that. Hell's Angels by
1: Hunter Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson was a gonzo journalist Mm -hmm. and he uh, he embedded himself with the Hell's Angels in the 1950s and 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 wrote this great book. And that's what he created called Gonzo Journalism. And the work that I did in GoGo, I consider it to be. Gonzo photograph when you immerse yourself into a culture and uh and write about it photograph it and, and and that's that's gonzo journalism so so yeah that's that's my favorite book
0: so next question uh so you're you're you did a photography you're a photographer mm-hmm. what um describe your gear real quick for us what what are you shooting with you know, I'm,
1: I, I, there's a saying that that, that 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 your best gear is the gear that you have in front <laughs> of you, have that you have with you, and so um, you know, I don't, I really don't like to hang out with other photographers because they all they really want to talk, they all they seem to want to talk about is is gear and technology and stuff like that. And I am an old school photographer. I shoot everything manually. I actually use an uh, a, a a a 1983 uh Vivitar strobe that only works at, at four speeds, full half, uh, full half, three quarters, no, full half uh a quarter and a thirty second. Okay. Uh, uh I'm not into the technology of the camera. I shoot everything just like I shot in 1983 (laughs) with my Nikon FM2. Nice. Um, uh, um, yeah, I, yeah. and, 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 and what I have is that I don't use the computer aspects that are available in my Nikon, uh, which I, right now I'm shooting a Nikon D810, uh, um, uh, and but I, I, it's got a whole bunch of capabilities and I really only know how to shut, set the aperture the ISO and the shutter speed and I have a, a an ability to look at light that's around around me and adapt my gear to it and oftentimes it, it, it when I first walk in I say this can't be done there's no light in here and then I figure it out and so 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 that's what I got my technology
0: is really in in, in years of doing it yeah oh yeah yeah i think i think that makes you flexible um when you know people say oh here's the new great thing to record with i'm like i i can get sound out of anything i need to get it from
1: right 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 you know
0: <laughs> and, and and you
1: know um uh, uh as far as you know photoshop work yeah every picture i have is post-process but i really use the adjustments uh that i would do when i was you know developing my own film with like this canister here yeah. you know and uh <sighs> And doing in the dark room, I, I crop, I just contrast, just a little bit of exposure, uh, highlight shadows, and tones. Uh, um, I can't, the other Photoshop stuff, I I, I can't do. I, I don't want to. Actually, my friend said, you know, why don't you take a course in Photoshop? And I was like, well, because I'm kind of happy with the work I get now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so oh, but not- however yeah. i am always striving for tone musicians are always striving for the tone the tone is the holy grail to get to look for constantly
0: uh favorite dc venue and there's one more after this alice's jazz and
1: cultural center <laughs> which is a tiny storefront venue that ha- that, that has a uh, 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 straight up old school jazz on sunday nights And there's no alcohol allowed. uh, And it's from 6 to 9 p.m. And musicians love to play it because people are only there for the music.
0: Love it. Lastly, and this is the most uh, controversial question, chocolate or vanilla? I mix them together. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So there you have it, folks. Um, I want to thank uh Chip Pie for coming onto the podcast. Thank you so much. And um, secondly, I want to invite you to tell again, plug your book, tell the fine folks where to check your website out, all of that good stuff. And again, thank you for being on this podcast. Great. My book, DC Gogo, go
1: 10, 10 years backstage, uh, is available from my website at ww.chipie That's chip pie photographer and my last name is just py. Uh, so it's chip photographer.com Uh they're available signed. They're 21.99. Uh I ship them out the day. I also have on that website limited edition uh Chuck Brown prints that I uh released when my book released too. So you can take a few minutes and check those out too. Uh they're going to make great holiday gifts coming up.
0: <laughs> So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank uh, Chip High for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your city. You just got to look for it.